If you listen, instead, without premature judgment, people will generally tell you everything they are thinking and with very little deceit. People will tell you the most amazing, absurd, interesting things. Very few of your conversations will be boring. You can, in fact, tell whether or not you are actually listening in this manner. If the conversation is boring, you probably aren't. <laughs> Welcome to Flourish. I'm Diane Planet, and you're in the right place if you're ready to create an inspired life. And we do so by working on our own personal development. So we would be strong role models for those we love and mentor. Today is chapter 9 in Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos. And rule 9 is fascinating. It reads, assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Aha! Well, you know, when we start out in life, that is our main assumption. We feel our parents know something we don't, so we listen to them. We feel our teachers, at least in the early years, know something we don't, so we listen to them. And then as you gather information and you're able to articulate the world, conversations begin. But then opinions are stated and nobody listens anymore. It's right a weird way of evolving, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you you know that's that's my sort of little antidote to uh, what this uh, chapter is all about because. Oh, and there's a lot of a lot of good material in this chapter, a lot more than just about listening. It was about conversations and skills and talking and what you need to know is to remember you don't know everything yet, right? <laughs> Peterson uh, goes on to say people need to think, right? But the only way you can think, okay, segue here, is if you talk. And the only way you can talk is if you have a conversation, because it helps you understand what you're thinking. Anyways, he says, people need to think. When people think, they simulate the world and plan how to act in it. If they do a good job of simulating, they can figure out what stupid things they shouldn't do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he cuts to the point, doesn't he? Yeah, I know, I know. That's the purpose of thinking, but we can't do it alone. We simulate the world and plan our actions in it. Only human beings do this. That's how brilliant we are, right? That is how brilliant we are. We make little avatars of ourselves. We place those avatars in fictional worlds. Then we watch what happens. If our avatar thrives, then we act like he does or she does in the real world. And this is uh, kind of a nice segue from last week's chapter on rule number eight, where we really talk about, uh, you know, tell the truth, or at least don't lie. <laughs> because then you start immersing yourself as the person you see yourself to be. You visualize that person. You visualize the end result. You visualize where you're going, and you take aim, and action. Yes, action is super important. You can't manifest abundance by just thinking about it. And I tried this out on myself one day. I just thought, come on, come on. How does this really work? 
So I took a really simple idea that it was time to clean the house and I didn't feel like cleaning the house and I procrastinated cleaning the house. And then somehow I convinced myself, I pretended that company was coming, that I was getting ready for a dinner party. And when you're entertaining guests, you want to have a clean house. So I literally convinced myself I had to clean the house because company was coming. And who knows, maybe somebody could have dropped by. I don't know. But I just, I kind of wanted to just test this out on how it would work in a very simplified format. And it actually worked. I actually convinced myself that I was entertaining, so I better clean the house. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a silly kind of example, but it works. That is, that is the point. It, it does work. Peterson goes on to say, true thinking is rare, just like true listening. Thinking is listening to yourself. It's difficult to think you have to be at least two people at the same time. And scientists tell us we have 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. So you really have to filter what you are hmm, listening to, right? <laughs> what exactly is going on in your mind? He goes on, true thinking is complex and demanding. It requires you to be an articulate speaker and careful, judicious listener at the same time. It involves conflict. So you have to tolerate conflict. Conflict involves negotiation and compromise. So you have to learn to give and take and modify your premises and adjust your thoughts. Yes, adjust your thoughts. Even your perceptions of the world. Ooh, now that's a hard one to swallow. But for this chapter, I wanted to give you three good takeaways on listening skills and uh, why it's important. But I wanted to talk about thinking first, just to sort of give you a little base, because this chapter, like I said, has a lot of great information. So at the end, I'm going to summarize those three listening skills that he talks about in the book. My, before I do, I'm going to give you a little quote from Carl Rogers. He, he quotes Rogers quite a bit in this chapter, and he says, The great majority of us cannot listen. We cannot find ourselves compelled to evaluate because listening is too dangerous. The first requirement is courage, and we do not always have it. <laughs> yeah, uh, listening can actually transform people, can't they? It can, it can really change your outlook. Get little snippets along the way. And, you know, what I do um, is I listen to other podcasts. I, I read a lot, but I also listen to audiobooks. I just kind of started doing that. Because as you're listening, you'll find a little snippet back there, back there in the background somewhere. And uh, I, I also I listen to Masterclass, and I really highly recommend Malcolm Gladwell's Masterclass. He is funny, and he is smart, and he has some really good ideas to share. But what I really like is, you know, people always worry about other people stealing their work or plagiarism, etc., etc., and and he basically says all of our ideas come from little snippets elsewhere. That that's not a direct quote, but the the conception was that you pick snippets from different people and formulate ideas, and you can only do that if you're listening. 
So what are the three advantages to listening? Well, the first one Peterson says is to come to an understanding what the person is saying. Really dive into understanding what the person is saying. He says <laughs> that Rogers, he quotes Carl Rogers again, sounds simple, doesn't it? But if you try it, you'll discover it is one of the most difficult things you have ever tried to do. If you really understand a person in this way, if you're willing to enter their private world and see the way life appears to them, you run the risk of being changed yourself. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's a little risky. Yeah, but it can also be a good thing, right? He goes on to say you might see it in his way. You might find yourself influenced in your attitudes or personality. The risk of being changed is one of the most frightening prospects most of us can face. Yikes. The risk of being changed. Well, change is good. If it's positive change, if it's growth mindset change, of course. And those are the people you listen to. You don't... Li let me put it really super simple. Do you get advice from people that you wouldn't even bother listening to? Think about that one. Just I put that out there in the big picture. The second advantage to listening is that it aids the person in consolidation and utility of memory, Peterson says. Yes, well, back in caveman days, they remembered where that saber-toothed tiger lived. They remembered where the berries were planted, and they used their memory as a tool. Now, I'm keeping it simple. Peterson goes on to say, this is, then you can understand, this is what happened, this is why, this is what I have to do to avoid such things from now on. That's using your memory as a tool, and you can use it in every type of circumstance. He goes on to say, uh, that's a successful memory. That's the purpose of memory. You remember the past, not so that it is accurately recorded to say it again, but so that you are prepared for the future. Prepare yourself for the future so you know what you're doing. You know how to do it. And then you don't have to relearn. You know, we learn how to walk once. Baby steps fall down, failure, whoop, get back up again, success. And we keep repeating this process over and over and over. And then that's a memory. So in our toolbox, right? So that is the power of the memory. And be careful what you remember. Be careful what you decide to dwell upon. It's nice to reminisce, but if you're going to reminisce, reminisce about beautiful times in your life. Reminisce about, you know, the day that you walked across the stage as you graduated from high school. Oh, that's uplifting. The day that your love of your life proposed marriage, or even your wedding day, or the child that was born. I don't know, I'm getting teary-eyed now. <laughs> so that those are good memories. And but the tools he's talking about is the, the ones that are really going to move you forward in life. So the third advantage to listening, and this was actually quite interesting, but he says to employ the Rogerian method. Now that is a method developed by Carl Rogers, um, where he took it upon himself to assume that his client 
me more than him, to listen, to really let them speak their mind, and then develop an opinion, and then decide what you're going to do. So you're basically empathizing. You're putting yourself in the other person's shoes, per se. And uh, this is literally having uh, a certain type of conversation where you can form an opinion on whether or not, yes, they're right, they've added a perspective, or no, they're actually a little bit not. <laughs> so <laughs> he says you will be much better at withstanding your own doubts. I like that. I like that a lot. So the three advantages to listening. Understand what the person is saying. The second, it aids in the consolidation of your memory. And the third is really to be empathetic and putting yourself in those person's shoes, putting yourself there um, so you can understand the conversation, understand the argument per se. And uh, I just wanted to a little bit talk about conversation because he talks about this in his book quite a bit, about the different types of conversations you can have with people. But the ultimate conversation, the ultimate conversation, he says, is where there's desire for the truth on both parts of the participants. You know, reciprocal type of agreement that you're truly listening to one another, truly listening what the other person has to say. He says that is, that's why it's engaging, vital, interesting, and meaningful. I'm like, remember, if you're not listening, or if you're bored <laughs> to whatever the person's saying, <laughs> maybe you're not listening. Okay, so he goes on to say, that sense of meaning is a signal from the deep ancient parts of your being. You're where you should be with one foot in order and the other tentatively extended into chaos and the unknown. You're immersed in the Tao following the great way of life. Remember, the perfect Tao is, is, is in the middle. It's right on the serpent's middle between order and chaos. That's, that's the zone. That's the flow. It goes on to say, there you're stable enough to be secure, but flexible enough to transform. There you're allowing new information to inform you, to permeate your stability, to repair and improve its structure and expand its domain. A conversation like that places you in the same place that listening to a great piece of music places you, and much for the same reason. So listen to yourself, Peterson says, and those with whom you are speaking. Your wisdom then consists not of the knowledge you already have, but the continual search for knowledge, which is the highest form of wisdom. Assume that a person you are listening to might know something you don't, and you will live a more inspired life.